There we go. Okay. Well, we got. Okay. Did one bot die immediately? Shocking. Yeah. All right. We're good. Hey, it's Flail Forward, everybody. I'm Rob. Welcome to Friday. Maybe. Maybe it's Wednesday when you're listening to this. I don't exactly put these up in that uh, fast. So, could be Wednesday. So, welcome to Wednesday. But it's Friday now. If you're listening to this live, which you're not, it's nope. Friday. <laughs> We're talking about RPGs tonight. As we do every night. Yeah, I only do it like half the nights of the week. <laughs> oh, we have a topic. Rehab for the night Hello. You don't yeah, do we do. I thought Stop. you were going to introduce us, Rob. I was, kind of. No, but I didn't. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us tonight is Kevoir. Hello. Oh, hello. Oh, oh I guess I am first. Yes. Uh, Catrice is here tonight. Hi, Catrice. Hi. Hi. Jonathan is joining us. Hi, Jonathan. Oh, hello. Hello. And Mark's here. Hey, Mark. Hello. Hello. Tonight, uh, Jonathan raised the topic of the big three. Yeah. And that is not uh, D&D, World of Darkness, and Pathfinder. <laughs> that's right okay okay so i'll i'll go into this a bit and so i wanted to ask before i get into it is like who knew of the big three before this i did yeah I knew of power 19 but not the big three specifically uh, oh god uh so the answer to that question is i knew about it in some dark recess of my mind, specifically the Forge version, not the not the original version. Yeah, I right. I used to follow um, Adam Coble, and uh, this was a, a question that he used to ask all the time. But mm -hmm. before I started designing games, this is never a thing that came up. Yeah, which is that's kind of interesting, considering uh, like it's pretty specific. This is like a uh, role playing game design. Mm -hmm. Big three, like it's applicable to other things, I think, but I think it's it's uh, made its way to like I don't think this um, exists outside of it. Although I could be wildly wrong uh, since I'm I'm not designing anything else, so I don't really know. But um, I don't know. There's a few articles and what the original, who was who, who the original was, I think is maybe up in the air a bit, but. Um, I'm going to go over this quickly. So Jared Sorensen uh, likely developed this set of big three questions. And uh, number one is, what is the game about? How is the game about that? And what behaviors does the game incentivize in the players? Or some variation of that third question. So it's kind of that third question that uh, um, kind of changes the most. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... It doesn't seem to directly correlate in the way the first two do. No, and then um, I'm trying to not screw up the names here. I'm trying to give credit. Now I already lost the name that I was supposed to have written down. Some other guy <laughs> in, in and about the same time uh, and also involved in the Forge. So I think like these ideas were probably like bouncing around the Forge. Uh, Troy Kostasik. Uh, another game designer uh, made up this um, version of the big three. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the game about? What do the characters do? And what do the players do? Um, and it's definitely more concise. And he ended up calling Sorensen's Big Three the alternate Big Three because he didn't know about them. Uh, <laughs> or, or so he says. But, I mean, he probably didn't. Yeah. Uh, or, again, he yeah. probably didn't know them as a set of, like, questions, like, specifically put together. Yeah, I um, think I like the first batch more. It's more effective in a lot of ways. Second set's not bad, but I don't think it's going to be as effective at, you know, understanding what the game is really about. So, especially for us who maybe have used them or encountered them, you know, especially early on in game design, I I was kind of curious, like, I guess what I kind of wanted to do tonight was uh, digest these uh, big three questions in um, how we found them useful, how we found them not useful, and um, uh, yeah, just any other input we might have on them. And then if we, if that doesn't take up enough time, <laughs> well, I think we could pick one and talk about it for two hours. Uh, yeah. uh, then maybe we could we could jump into the Power Nineteen, which is sort of an extension of the Big Three that uh, Troy Kostasik, uh, uh put together on his blog. Um, just a side note, uh, Socratic Design uh, is a blog by Troy Kostasik, and it's worth looking into. There are years of um, blog posts there, uh, and I think it's interesting to read them, as I've only read a few, but uh, it, it it gives an indication maybe of how people were thinking about game design uh, 20, like 15 years ago now. So it's interesting. So uh, I think it's a great resource. Um, what, I'll, what I think I'd like to start asking this question uh, or talk, tackling the big three would be asking, you know, what is the point of these three questions? What is the goal that they're trying to help designers or anyone with? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of talk of, uh, about that already beyond what we're going to do, but this is us, so we'll give our input. Um, and it's I, I think of it as like a focus. Um, and, um, and and prompts. Uh, it, it kind of, I think it it helps in the the most general way. It helps us uh, sort of. Generate design goals. <laughs> yeah. It... yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps us also complete our 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 vision of how we're like looking at a game. Like once we sort of, if we put something together that we are even able to answer those three questions, we we sort of like create a focus. Uh, so that could be like design goals or or something not so specific, maybe a little bit more mushy, but closer to becoming a a game. I don't think that it's probably primarily to to make sure that you know especially like new designers who haven't thought about things clearly like there's an awful lot of games where it's like they don't pass the first question like what's the game about and it's like i didn't think about that there's a lot of people who do that and then there's I think the second question is probably more important to intermediate designers where it's like, 
how is the game about that? Because it's like, there's a lot of games where it's like, yeah, the game's totally about this. And then you look at the rules and the lore and everything about it. And it's like, I don't follow. This doesn't, this doesn't seem to track. So just even asking these two questions and being forced to answer them probably is going to help a lot of people that are, are, especially if they're just getting started and they're not used to using like a game design document or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would not have had a good answer to the first question for a while. Like what, what is, what is ashes about? Like the first probably two iterations, I would have said it's about squad based combat. <laughs> and that was sort of it. That was the design goal is just to make a, make a squad based combat game that sort of worked and felt reasonable, reasonably engaging to track and, and not too complicated. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that's the starting point for a lot of designers is to look at, you know, these are the games that I play and these are the mechanics and I, I want to create new mechanics and, and in some sense that feels like a different game, but that in itself does not necessarily change what the game is about. Um, so just replacing your 1D20 Dungeons and Dragons game with a 3D6 system doesn't necessarily change what the game is about. Is that yeah. what you're getting at? <laughs> that's that's, that's... You, I think you're correct, uh, but no, it's because I didn't have a design goal for the mechanics to actually aim at. Mm. Like, <clears throat> there wasn't a, oh, this game's about uh, wizards waking up from the apocalypse and uh, exploring a post-apocalyptic landscape, right? Right. So there wasn't, there wasn't a story for the mechanics to support. There was just mechanics as such, and it was... It, the mechanics were fine and functional, but did they did they invite a story to be told with them? Well, kind of <laughs> story of squad based combat, but like that was it, you know. So you could you could have some fun things happen in a combat, but there was no. What does this combat mean? You don't even necessarily need that though, because like a lot of more open games, like say you know, GURPS for example, mm -hmm. is. A prime example of this that's not what GURPS is about mm -hmm. but GURPS is about something specifically that you can do anything that you want with it that's kind of its point it's right why it exists right but this is I, this my for my game you could not do anything you wanted with it was like it's very this thing it just doesn't have a narrative thrust to it like it, in GURPS you're asked to design a narrative thrust into the game like at at from prior to session zero as GM. This I had no such no such mechanics or no such uh intention to build something like that. So yeah, there was that there, the question of what the game's about was very helpful to me. And the first time I actually saw these three questions, I didn't pay attention to them in for design. They were asked during the um the uh D D third edition open submissions that eventually uh, resulted in Eberron being created by Keith Baker. And the, uh, like, who are the characters and what do they do was part of, part of that prompt. And I did not understand what that meant. 
at that time. I didn't understand uh, who are they. Didn't really. It was like I don't. What, what do you mean by who are they? They're these. They're they're adventurers, adventuring through D and D. And what do they do? Is well, they kill stuff and get better at it. It was very strange to me that like they were they were asking those questions for a setting. I mean, and it didn't it didn't prompt me to think about like what what the the deeper question there, which is like, okay, what how what are they what story are they involved in? Yeah, and, this actually yeah. makes sense if you're used to playing D and D, right? Like if you're just playing like D and D as basic generic adventures there's not really a proper sort of story to it other than you're in generic fantasy medieval europe yeah i can see why you'd kind of be confused on that at first right i mean so go ahead mark oh i was just gonna say i think it's, it's also interesting because i think as a game designer when you think about what a game designer has to do you'd think of designing rules for a game um, but ultimately, your goal is really to be able to allow players to tell a story. So it's easy to get focused in on the aspect of creating the rules and the rule book and lose sight of the greater vision of how do you convey a story through these rules. Um, and I think like what that first question, at least, the, what is the game about, really should be not only a design focus, but an ability for, for yourself to stay um, true to something beyond what just the mechanics are but to being able to tell a compelling story and to communicate that not only to the players but whoever would i mean pick up your book and want to use it right right i mean i feel like that's the place where you're kind of focusing on in on the principles you want your game to express i feel and then and then in the, in the what do the characters do is like okay well what kind of stories do we tell and then in the players is like what do the players do? It's like, okay, what do the players track? Is is what we're asking. I feel like there's a there's a there's a finer grained question in there. And it's like, what are you asking the players to do? And most of that's tracking. Role playing is kind of a given. I don't think that's <laughs> that really doesn't make the list in, in, here, but like what are you asking them to track? Like what are you asking them to write down? Uh what do you ask them to weigh as far as like decisions? Like, do I spend this resource? Do I spend this resource? Um, and and what cognitive loads are you asking the players to take on as well is is, is kind of in there. Emotional loads, stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, emotional load. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, even physical loads sometimes. What if you make a game? It's RPGs, but you're rolling with shot puts. <laughs> the only the only uh, actual physical load game I can think of, other than debatably Shadowrun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thirty six d six is actually hard to hold on sometimes. Yep, uh, is uh, oh, there was a series of, of games. Oh God, what were they called? Uh, were basically the. Um, like the sticky hands that you would get out of the gumball <laughs> machines. Yes, I. Was... What am I remembering? 
I remember it's that being the game, game that shall it not be named. Oh no, it is, isn't it? Oh god! I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I was waiting. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, hey, we we're not going to name it. But I did think about it. I thought about it too. Now I thought about it. Since Jonathan reminded me what the where the mechanic came from. There's there's nothing wrong with that game. No. I, no, I, I mean I don't read it. I just don't want. I don't want to pretend like that. There's some issue with that game. It's just, it's just history. Podcast history. Podcast Listen to the history. podcast, and and then maybe you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Dig through the last uh, three yeah. years of of content. Uh-huh. There's only oh. like 110 episodes. <laughs> yeah, that are two to three hours long each. Yeah, there's literally hundreds, hundreds of hours of us <clears throat> doing this stuff. So yeah, it's terrible. You can find the two of them that are that. Um, They're probably near the start, so that should help. Um, I have at least totally taken advantage of naming it a couple of times. Oh, totally. It's come up more than once. Anyway, let's not dwell on it because it becomes this thing that we're talking about, a thing that we're not talking about. Basilisk. Um, Don't look at it. It's fine. Um, I I have something curious that uh, something struck me as we were talking about this, but like, um, I'm picturing being like mid-teens, like I don't know, 14, 15, 16, something like that, mm-hmm. and having started playing D&D with my you know, a few friends mm-hmm. um, and you know, people who don't know will ask, what's the game about? And when they're asking what's the, what's the game about and you're trying to answer them I just, in my head, I'm like, well you you say something like, oh like it's like playing you know, fantasy, it's like swords and uh, we didn't have the term sword. I don't recall the term swords and sorcery, but you might say it like that might be a term you'd use, mm-hmm. but that's not enough, right? So you have to say like, um, you know, you create a character and then you ha- you kind of like role play it and you have to like throw in all these things and you're, you're actually trying to answer that one question with, uh, at the same time, in actuality, you're answering in, to some, some degree all three of these questions. Mm, um, interesting. I don't know if you if you see that, but like that's how like it's it's hard to separate these questions when because the game isn't just uh, or a role playing game, any role playing game isn't just one answering just one of these questions, right? Because right. you say what is the game about, and you say it's well, it's about like medieval fantasy, and it's like oh, like well, that could be a board game or it could be a video game or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. I think that. Sorry, Kat? Sorry, I think there's a reason for that, and it's that you're not you're not asking one question. You're actually asking several different questions at the same time when you say, what's the game about? As a player, you're not asking, like, just That's some nice. high-minded, like, philosophical question about, like, the nature of the game. Like, is it about your choices matter or something like that? You're also asking, like that might be part of it for some people, but a lot of the time it's like, well, what am I going to be doing? What's the setting? What's the gameplay like? Stuff like that. Like you're asking a bunch of different questions that are all just kind of in this vaguely worded umbrella term. And it's more meant for like the person that you're asking the question should kind of have an idea of roughly what you're interested in so that they can tell you the parts that's going to interest you and why they want you to play this game. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I feel that's all baked in. But I hear what's, what what Jonathan saying about. I hear both of what you're saying. So like I hear Jonathan saying like, yes, the difficulty of explaining the activity is that I think everybody who's here has tried to do that at some point and failed. Uh, so like the first time you had to explain what what D&D was to somebody who was a total stranger to it. And there was I feel like we probably tried to reach for all of those questions like it you know what's what what is what is what is the texture of the game like what what does it feel like to sort of play it what do you imagine yourselves like what's the imaginal quality of the game is it is it sword and sorcerers like cyberpunk or uh you know uh and and then you, they're sort of asking like okay well there's that text that that sort of texture to it and then what is like like what Catrice was saying like what is, what is, what will what should i expect to be doing and for showing up like what's my i'm trying to figure out how this game is going to engage me and i want a preview of that <laughs> so i i think it's worth time showing up and i i'm you know please describe to me the the core activity and it's weird for rpgs because you're like well you're kind of just talking at each other and then sometimes you you get to a place where you can't agree on what might happen and then you roll dice to determine what happens. And for some people, they just go, uh, that's, so it's gambling? And <laughs> because that's what it sounds like, right? You're, you get to an impasse and you roll dice. Uh, and like that's kind of like what poker is, right? You're 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 having this sort of it's not a verbal conversation, but you're having a, a, a conversation about using <laughs> trying not to use body language. Uh and and at getting to a point where there's going to be some sort of reveal. Uh, you know, it gets to a point where nobody can sort of there's an impasse and there has to be a reveal for the game to move forward and for somebody to lose inside the game and win inside the game even though they may stay in the game and it's very hard to sort of bake that into a question that somebody's asking you casually because it forces you into like this weird headspace because rpgs operate on like at least throws three levels and i think probably at least two others um and and so how do you how do you bake that in to a, a an answer when you're just like sitting and somebody's got asking you like oh you we're hanging out with your friends what are you doing well we i was a dwarf and and uh we were in a castle and then we were trying to get out of the castle and so we fought like some skeletons and a zombie and then like one of our guys got poisoned, and so we had to find like the antidote. And, and then he would stop you and go, like, "Wait, hang on. This is a game you're playing, or a, a comic book, or what do you what do you mean?" That's the experience I had, right? You start describing what you were doing at in the RPG, and the person's like, "Oh, you were taking this in as entertainment," and you're like, "No, no, no. We were. That's the that's the." game and you couldn't you i didn't have words there weren't words at the time so like no we're collaboratively creating a story together and so i'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what i what i said to do that and i was just like and i have never had an answer that isn't okay 
but we'll just sit down. We will do this because there is no way in hell I'm going to explain the what this actually is that is going to be more effective than you just witnessing it. It's horrible garbage, and it's lovely, and it's per and it's awful, and it's perfect. Well, it's really perfect. Per yeah. Perfection is not something that exists in RPGs. Nope. No, that I collection mean, of words in that order um, kind of like brings a little tear to my eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a wonderfully messy but beautiful thing. Like it, it would be, it would be best to just say, okay, look, you can be a dwarf to get out of the castle. We're going to attach a grappling hook to your beard. Mm-hmm. From here, figure out what you want to do, and it's like it's it's kind of that thing that I think that they actually describe it in a way that was actually good for was when somebody was trying to describe Minecraft, where it's like first time you hit a tree and you break logs off it, and it's like there's not really proper rules for what you're exper- expecting here. And it's like, wait, I can put these together. I can make sticks out of them. I can build something with this. And that's like just that first moment of we put you in a situation where you have tools and you can do things with the tools. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now you can do stuff. And I think that's the important part. Minecraft is Legos with violence. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good comment. I mean, Legos is Legos with violence. Really, <laughs> you're not wrong, but but also Legos that move around with, on you when you don't look at them. That happens to my Legos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your Legos may be haunted. That's or fair. Caltrops. Yeah, Caltrops. Before, I mean if we're going to but before we like break down each question and kind of maybe address them separately i wanted to um address them as a whole and even about a lot of these types of questions or types of prompts uh that we encounter in game design um when when you start game designing you're going to be diving into the deep end and you're going to encounter a lot of different thoughts and ideas and there's going to be a lot of people that say things like you must do this you must read this um what are you even doing you know do this first and all kinds of stuff like that and when we're on the internet where we should take things like that with a grain of salt but it's hard um and so when people say these questions are really important you should be answering them about your game um and you have been in this space for a while but you're still new but you got a game and then you get these questions and then you run into like you you have an existential crisis because you absolutely have no idea how to answer them uh and that's sort of my experience with these questions and questions like this um is I really like struggle with broad questions like this and they sort of like avoid um, nuts and bolts of design, if that makes sense. Like they're, they're kind of like larger conceptual questions uh, where 
it doesn't really talk about sort of the process of like you know uh how do you get players to role play and like how do you like and and create role play out of a situation right which they they absolutely do nothing for those types of questions uh that a lot of new designers might have And so, yeah, these questions were hard for me the first time I read them. And they still are. I'm still like, I don't address them initially uh, or or for a long time. I have, uh, like, just going through these questions, I generally answer them within, like, the first 10 minutes of writing a game, and, but they don't actually help me write the game to be something that is good or functional, so. <laughs> they don't? <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Of course, they, they, they cohere, they cohere the, the tone and the, the mechanics under a, 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 under a proposition of what you want to, how you want to direct the narrative. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's true. But that's not the <laughs> that, part that, that, that I've Way faster than I thought it might. Okay, never mind. The, but that's not the part that I have trouble with. So uh -huh. is what I was. Actually, oh, I meaning I, I said it wrong. Basically, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like Jonathan. I find answering these questions super easy. Uh, they are not the part of design that I have any trouble with. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Oh, the, the, this, uh, these are the ideas I start with. And then I need to figure out how to make the framework to put all the parts together. So, yeah. that, the, so that they actually are good incentive questions that uh that people can easily grok etc that's that's really great because i i don't think i approach design from that way like even when i think about like oh this is a really cool concept it usually starts in my brain as an interesting mechanic that relates to some kind of concept like um and then i try to say well what kind of game would this mechanic fit into what would what story would i be able to tell with this sort of interesting tool um, and, and so it's interesting that you come from a very different perspective of how you would view these tools, because I think I'd agree with Jonathan, where I started very much with the, I have this interesting system, and I don't know what story it tells. Um, and, and that was a, a brick wall for me as well, where I, I ran into it and I said, you know, my game doesn't tell anything different than games that are already out there. And that took a lot of redesign and figuring out, okay, what is my game about? What am I trying to drive this narrative towards that is different from anything else out there? So it's great that you start in a different place um, and that these questions are easier to answer because you start there. But I don't know that that was my experience. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, it. that's interesting. I, I Relating to what you're saying, Mark, the because uh, I've been, I've, I've approached games from both perspectives. So I, I definitely started out with like, oh, let me think of this interesting mechanic because it's an outgrowth of this other mechanic I kind of like, and oh, that kind of supports this kind of play a little better, and I like that. And then I'll design sort of a scenario around that, and that might foliate out into a game. But as I've designed more, the games that when I start out with a concept, it definitely comes from the, okay, what's, what it's about, what are the characters doing, what are the players doing? And that just, that's, yeah, like, like Havor was saying, like, that's just where the idea begins. And then I have to be like, okay, well, how do I mechanize this part that I want the players, that I want the characters to care about, and I want the players to track, uh, 
in such a way that it's not that the characters really care and it's not a pain in the ass to track. Yeah, uh, I actually want to rephrase it because I think I've th figured out a very clean way to phrase what my weirdness is compared to Jonathan and Mark. Basically, the part of the game that forms for me first is the answers to these questions. Like, what is the game about? Uh, specifically, the first three more often. How is the game about that is not always like it, it. I can't. It's not a real game idea until I can answer that, basically, because then it's just a garbage idle thought and it's just fate. Mm -hmm. And then, what behaviors does this game incentivize in the players is not how I would phrase that question. Is it is how can I get the, how can I design the game so to incentivize the proper behaviors as like basically the core pillars I'm going to build everything out from. I do yeah. not I do not ever answer Jonathan Wick's question. Uh, I don't uh, I don't if a game ends up being fun that's purely by accident. Um, oh yeah, what was his? Because <laughs> he's involved in this too in a certain degree. Although yeah, I uh, Jonathan um, added a fourth question to the first list. How do you make it this fun? And uh, I hate. <laughs> I make it fun by talking by talking through games with people I actually like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, I I don't actually know how to make something fun on purpose. Uh. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an it's, interesting question. I've never really thought about that either because I just design the game that I want to play and assume it would be fun for other people. And if they don't like it, I don't really give a shit. So it doesn't really affect me. Like if somebody. I, I just want to do the thing that I, I think is cool and yeah I, I, yeah I don't think I don't think I should be I should be taking I don't think you should ever take design advice from John Wick I mean uh, no uh, no actually I'll just I don't say that but uh, I specifically don't think you should take advice for him about making games fun because <laughs> I have seen his game design uh, <laughs> yeah well um uh, uh, I'm trying to be diplomatic and I'm not gonna, so there you go. Yeah. I think that's the harshest I've ever heard Kavor be. Yeah, <laughs> outside of DD, let's be yeah, I do think that it is sometimes an important question, it depends on what your goals of making the game are. Like, if you plan on selling it, it becomes a more important question. If you plan on selling it to more than a niche audience it does if you're selling to a niche audience no it's actually not that important because uh, you can just make it so that you find it fun and people that are similar to you will find it fun uh, alternatively uh there are some games where the goal is not to be fun bluebeard's bride uh it, i do not think that fun was one of the intended design goals of bluebeard's bride i think if it's fun that's incidental and kind of against the point more than anything i think it's a yeah. positive experience technically I agree <laughs> agree it's engaging but not fun in the, yeah yeah in in the way that we would describe a uh you know going going to to a marvel movie as like oh that was fun yeah i mean we're, you know? we're kind yeah. of falling into i i would say like uh one of the classic yeah game discussions about you know what is fun <laughs> does it have to be fun um, and those are all like fair, fair enough questions or hard questions to answer. Debatable questions, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's important.
important though that it does get defined because if you don't consider it then you're going to run into problems like i think probably the the best way to go with it though is just say it's not fun as in you're necessarily enjoying yourself more so that it's fun in the sense that you are glad that you had spent your time doing this afterwards. Yes. Uh, so I'm trying to it. figure yeah. out. Yeah, no, that's actually a very good way to put it, Catrice. Uh, I am trying to figure out uh, where, if this is covered by this question. And the act, there's actually a fourth thing that is part of my initial design process that if I can't answer this question, I don't have a game. And that is, what is the vibe of this game, for lack of a better term? I'm trying to think of a better way to phrase that, but... No, that's super, that's super, super important. Because the vibe of the game is... Okay, if you're going to sell it, if you want to sell it, the vibe of the game is super important. Yeah. Super, super important. Because that's how it's going to literally resonate with people. And, and yes, I'm, I'm using those terms somewhat literally right now. Yep. Because... The, the 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 resonance field that a game produces with its aesthetic and with the kind of Thinking what do I want to say here the community that 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 congeals around it uh, makes a big difference into whether or not somebody gets into something and also the basically the way it that makes you think about how you take your actions is. Uh, more mm. is part of the aesthetic in a weird way mm -hmm. and it is definitely something that can be different in very similar games that will produce different results like mutants and masterminds versus gurps heroes uh those games are technically are, are both being weirdly simulist and about esoterica about like resonant things that do not really hold up to that type of scrutiny <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess but, well okay so uh, are you saying that those two date games produce divergent experiences yes deeply hmm. in my experience in mine not so much it was pretty much the same game with different mechanics oh interesting i guess i, I don't know maybe i maybe i just played mute maybe i just played curves with horrible people oh that's totally <laughs> possible <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not something i'm gonna di discount actually uh Although the other time I played GURPS, it was with people I was running uh, GURPS Lite with people I genuinely quite enjoyed. And that was a reasonably fun experience, despite yeah. it being GURPS. Um, <laughs> I, do not, I do not think, oh, I think GURPS added to the player's enjoyment. It does not add to my enjoyment. That's fair. As a, it, GURPS is hard to GM. Uh, if you want to do it like by the book, it's, yeah. That I, I I can fully acknowledge that as somebody who likes and will defend GURPS and also was a GURPS GM for many years, that game could be a complete pain in the ass. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it says a lot about me as a human being that I managed to I managed to fake it, but it was the most like I managed yeah. to write it as as I was going. But I, it was, the, but it was the most draining running an RPG has ever been for me. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, GURPS works best as a GM when you don't do any prep, and yeah. and the players don't notice, 
And yeah, the, the, that's yeah. how I run all games, though. So well, I know, but that but that that was my process of learning to do that was <laughs> r- running GURPS literally every day for three hours, and yeah, no, that, that and would do running it. out of material and just being like, all right, fuck it, I, I don't, I'm just gonna whatever I entertainment I watched this week is going into the game. Okay, <laughs> so to get back on topic, because I think. This is all my fault that we. That's on topic. That was what the game was about. Yeah, no, I, I no, I mean to get back to onto the topic of the big three, oh. <laughs> you know, the original one. Yep. Uh, what do you think we haven't covered? Because I am the one who disrupted the topic, and that is not normal. I am sorry. <laughs> Why would you be? I mean, I mean, I, it's very Canadian for you to be sorry for talking on a podcast. <laughs> well, I know I'm. I'm sorry for though. Like, since I always get on, I always try to drag things back to being on topic. I feel bad that I did the opposite of my job. That's what I'm apologizing for. I see. Well, <laughs> with any consolation, I I was I, I was fine with it. Yeah, it's all right. Easy penalties: thirty lashes with licorice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just had a weird picture in my head. <laughs> yeah, I do. Something about like <laughs> the Simpsons and whip it and licorice whip. <laughs> I think there's a yeah. Oh, you got think you got a totally different thing than I got, but yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. See, there you can feel better about yourself now, Kavar. I have done my job of derailing it. <laughs> Far less time and effort. Yes, good <laughs> that's <job>. true. <laughs> good job, Catrice. We can always count on you. Uh, yeah. So, yes, is there anything else with the with discussing these questions that we want to get oh, that we want to get through before I just like see if you people can answer these questions about your game, and I will answer well, these. I do think. That can we um, maybe can we try something? I'm going to cut okay. in so we don't. Um, can we pick a game and we'll think about it for a quick second? Uh, and get some, uh, we'll answer one of these questions solidly in our head. Um, might as well just do what is the game about? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just concisely and say what, what, uh, what the game is about. Okay. Um, the reason being is I think it's worth pointing out that how we even picture these, how we like think of these questions is probably different. Um, different. Yeah. And so, and this is one of the problems with questions, but also like, if you have a certain type of answer and someone disagrees with you, it doesn't mean that you're wrong um, yeah, it, uh, from a game design perspective. <laughs> so I don't know why game works good uh, for this, for our group. I think we can pick even <clears throat> games that we haven't played. I don't think people are going to know the difference. I don't know. Maybe we pick like Apocalypse World or something like that. We know oh, God. I have, I have something I want to suggest, but is terrible. Do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I am... I am going to uh, link the game. Oh, okay. okay. You have read a prior version of this at least once. Da-da-da. I am going to regret putting this in a publicly accessible place. <laughs> oh, no. What are you doing? I, I have very clear answers for all three questions on this one. Ah, okay. Mostly about witches, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And its title, theoretically, is an answer. <laughs> but it's not a full <laughs> answer. I, I just... 
Okay. I, I think I could generally answer it. Yeah. Or at least I, I have, I, okay, I'm thinking about it. I have answers. So, yep. Yep. Okay, okay. So, should yeah. I go first? Everybody else want to? No? Okay. Uh, so, it's mostly about witches. <laughs> He's yep. just being a jerk. <laughs> no, no, that's perfectly valid. No, it is mostly about witches. What the characters do is they are uh, they are witches dealing with the problems uh, of a town that are being provoked by the supernatural presence that the town sort of lives in semi symbiosis with. It's also uh, another. God, I know I shouldn't interrupt. Yeah. Okay. All right, and then what the what the players do is uh, they go between scenes and sort of negotiate uh, and with with the various entities of their community and try and uh, either make peace or uh, resolve conflict or bring conflict to a head. Sometimes using magic. Um, that's that's what the players generally do. Okay. Uh, does anybody else want to try to answer it in a different way? I don't think I could actually answer this one. I okay. have not looked at it enough to actually know what the game's about, to be honest. like I, It's mostly about witches. <laughs> yeah, I realize that, but like anything other than that there are witches and some magic stuff, I looked at some of the mechanics previously, but I actually did not even know anything about like what they're doing or what the premise is is this the um like continuation of the because wasn't it like an alien presence or something like that before i can't remember no oh this you is know? this is divergent design from that really from that project that never went anywhere uh it this is, is no, this is this is this is something i wrote on december 27th of i think 2017 to oh, okay. to show that i could uh, show what it's like when i write something in one day Okay, and then I've been slow. Then I've been slowly adding to it because I've actually been playing it. <laughs> that well, is... if you want to play mostly about witches, check out the Discord and uh, click on that. It's mostly about witches. So if you like witches that are uh, doing yeah. town things, yeah. Uh, do you want me to give my random note if nobody else has an answer? Because oh yeah, please anybody else go ahead. Yeah, All no, right. I... I'll I'll throw out just something because um, I I agree with Catrice that I I don't know the game thoroughly enough to be able to answer them uh, accurately, but I feel like in a sense for, for any game I would want to play it to really be able to tell what it's about because I could read the description and tell you what the intention is, but it doesn't necessarily convey what the game uh, actually feels like or plays like until the mechanics have come together to tell that narrative. So like I can see what you have written for what you think the game is about, but I can't necessarily say what like yeah. based on these mechanics how the game would play out and what that feel would be like or what kind of incentives the players would have towards taking action. Okay. So the note I want to add is uh the More, it's a very important the premise of how the game actually 
really fun on which factors in like as playable characters in the, thus the mostly in being their familiar or be or being the guardian spirit of the town or like the minor god like that type of esoterica the village god or being a or being a folk hero is like the third but those are all kind of in the same adjacent place where you exist between the two and not are kind of you are the if that makes sense huh yep that that but i think rob did a pretty good job i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't mean to spring it on you people that much. <laughs> no, okay. I, I don't think it's it's bringing it on anyone. I think it's great to to be able to dissect the game that way. And and as you are the designer of the game, you have the best insight into what your your goal is. Yeah, the, yeah. I was just seeing how the actual thing I wanted to know was how is how well the actual like flat out the base text of the game conveys my design goals. Because apparently for Rob, pretty well. Um, <laughs> So I feel good about that, actually. Yeah, it was pretty clear, like, what this is going to get us to do as players from reading it. Like, okay, we're going to do this, and then this, that, that, you know, in this scene, we're going to generate roughly this average amount of impact, and then we're going to have to deal with that impact with this mechanic, and then it's going to resolve back to here. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I see. I mean, I, the, the narrative path is pretty clear. So, I mean, even when the players are going to have that... <clears throat> That the agency to decide what's going to happen, the the way you handle the flow from scene to scene is pretty clear. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, let uh, since that failed, I do actually <laughs> consider it failed. <laughs> Rob succeeded, but I, I I didn't give you people time to read it, and that's fair. Like I, you made a an assumption about us as a group <laughs> and we yeah, turned yeah. out to disappoint. Okay, so what's something everybody knows uh, da, 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 that isn't D&D? Yeah, and I wanted oh, I to like... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay, is everybody more familiar with... Actually, no, I don't think Catrice is that time. I would actually suggest something fairly large that most... that we know about, even if you haven't read book or the rules like, okay so, so not like D&D because it's it's hard to even say if it actually answers these questions itself I would actually say something like Shadowrun would be a good good example I was also thinking Shadowrun because yeah. we think alike well let's do that because we I think we have different experiences from you know people not playing but maybe knowing some about it and to people you know okay. who have played a lot of it um, so let's do two people who have played it once and went, why? Yeah, but let's just do what is the game about? We won't go into the other details. I the the point is to illustrate the different types of answers we can get. Yeah. Okay. Shadowrun Shadowrun is about uh, putting the is about being su being super cool cyberpunk people who have who work for soulless corporations and who. Who have to who have to think on their feet and try not to die? Uh, it is about meticulous planning, despite what I just said. I can break that down into three words: mm -hmm. dystopian futuristic heist, and that basically covers the same concepts. 
Yep. You just said those three words, and I'm like, that's that's like, there's like a part of it missing, but I'm like, that's so cyberpunk. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's I mean, sort of like doesn't talk about like corporate. Yeah, there, there's a game. But, there, there's, there's a game that could be described as the Sophian cyberpunk heist that uh, is entirely that plays entirely differently from uh god what's it called from Shadowrun and it is any of six it is any of the 16 forged in the dark acts of Shadowrun no uh kind of no actually yeah but they still have the same basic concept like you can have different games that have the same thing that the game's about and then you ask how is the game about that it doesn't always have to be the same answer for all of them Mm -hmm. yeah for me let's see my answer would be for okay Shadowrun is about (sighs) Shadowrun is about extracting as much wealth as you can from the game in order to make the dice numbers go up You know what? That's actually more what Shadowrun's about. So interesting because that's a more mechanical bend. It's not about the fiction. That's, that's what Shadowrun wants you to do. That's how Shadowrun wants you to engage with it. At least as near as I can tell. It's a really interesting interpretation. So I'm I'm still trying to work out exactly how I want to uh, phrase it, but it's something along the lines of. Um, Futuristic mercenaries who struggle to carve a niche for themselves against omnipresent oppressive superpowers. I mean, see that see that answer sounds really constructed, and I didn't plan my answer before I said it. Yeah, I'm writing one down. So. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. My my de- definition doesn't involve any of the mechanical structure of uh, of Shadowrun, whereas yours, I think, is boiling it down to its basics of. Make num make numbers go up, big number. It depends on what aspect of the game you're focusing on. Like you could just as easily argue that it's fantasy races in a futuristic setting, and they're all races, but it doesn't matter because dragon supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So, I, I, I realized my definition of Shadowrun didn't include shopping. <laughs> Shadow, yeah, Shadow, because... Shadowrun is a is spending is a shopping simulator for an edgy for an edgy for an edgy fantasy future. Kevlar's I... definition of Shadowrun is all the tropes, the the negative tropes of Shadowrun. <laughs> no, I mean that's what I spent the most time doing in that game is figuring no. out how to extract the most wealth from it in order to make the numbers go up because that's what I. That's what the game presented itself as. Like, here's all these advantages that make you get more money. And here's all this cool shit that you can wield against the imaginary people that make you feel good. And I want that stuff. I want the better mono whip, not the crappy starter one. I want so I and I want the super plus six pheromones, not the, the plus four ones. So because if, if the numbers go up, then I feel like I'm having more fun. And that's the experience of Shadowrun mostly for me. It like that's because it's what it, it that's what it, the time it takes to engage with Shadowrun, that's what you spend a lot of it doing if you engage with Shadowrun at rules as written. 
which I, I tend to do for games, unless I have a really serious reason not to. I'll generally play them as they're written. Uh, so that's it's interesting because that's just where your time goes. Like it's like, oh cool, we got all this loot. Okay, so let's let's sell it. Okay, so we make rolls to sell it. Okay, cool, we got all this money. Okay, so let's go look through the book. Now here's another book of just just stuff to buy. And here's another book of just stuff to buy for wizards. And here's another book of just stuff to buy for hackers. And here's another book of just stuff to buy for the drone guys. And here's another book. So I mean I mean, what what are the books about? Their lists of stuff to purchase. Mm-hmm. I guess my my takeaway from it is that I I would want to know what the game is about so that it incentivizes me to play it again. And and by that definition, it gives me no incentive to play the game. Whereas I think the the fiction first like definition is is what would make me want to pick up Shadowrun again, which is the feeling of like everywhere you turn, someone is trying to screw you to get more for themselves. Yes. And that you are trying to watch out for that and get your own cut of that slice, that, that own little piece of that pie. And that, to me, is the feel of like, oh, yeah, I want to play Shadowrun again because that's the, the adrenaline rush that I got from that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, totally agree. Yeah. So to me, the, the focus was really about what is the, what is the punchy bit that I want to experience when I get to sit down. Someone says I'm going to run Shadowrun. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that for me, little... that, that for me is what gets me to play Shadowrun again every time. By the way, and I... then what ends up happening is what ha- what I just described. Yeah. Uh, oh God. What was I going to say? I'm it's... going to make, I'm going to make the not quite joke. Uh, I think that the the thing I described where it's where it's high tech dystopian shopping for super mercenaries. Honestly, is more entertaining than what Shadowrun than the way Shadowrun actually handles it. <laughs> to me, if somebody sold me the if somebody sold told me that was the premise of their game, I would expect it to be a more compelling version of it than it is the Shadowrun is. Is what I will say. God, that, that's I that sounds bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not slamming Shadowrun. I'm yeah. probably going to play Shadowrun again, but you know, it. I'm just I'm just noticing what happens. When I end up playing Shadowrun, that's you know that's sort of where the time goes. It's it's interesting because that might be more so answering question three of how does the mm-hmm. game incentivize you as a player, and yeah. in in that sense you might be feeling more of the pull of not necessarily exactly what the game is about, but that the game has become so much incentivized towards make number go big that mm-hmm. um, it loses the focus of what the game should be about or what that right. fiction is. Maybe right. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, I, I you know, I, I like, I appreciate the description of the, the planning thing. Like the planning is, is a big part of it, except for the fact that the core premise of Shadowrun is that that plan, as soon as it makes contact with the actual game, just goes <laughs> out the window. Yeah. So, so it's like, like, and that's what Blaze of the Dark noticed, I think, is that there's no point to doing the four-hour game session, the four-hour planning session, when the plan goes out the window, except... I will. I will counter. Uh, I will. I will counter with. Some people just like that, and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. some. That's fun for people, and like, don't, don't. I'm not yucking their yum. So, uh, but no, I agree with that. In most people want to do the action thing. I, I like the planning part. 
because there there is definitely a certain amount of enjoyment to planning out like this big elaborate heist but i think Mm -hmm. Shadowrun, as it's written and as it directs like the gm for it it discourages you from actually planning anything because the point behind the game as it's written is well you've done all this planning and it yeah none of it matters and it's like well then why did we do that it's right. like I don't mind the planning part. It's just you need to reward the planning part. Like it, you if can make it yeah, all right. think. If it's all think on your toes, as Kavar mentioned, and it's all planning, you can't have these two go together. They don't work. It's one or the other, or a mixture in between. It can't be all of both at the same time. It doesn't work. I agree. It can't be both of those things. I, I, but I think most games, the people that become dissatisfied with Shadowrun, are have those sessions where it is a interesting, meticulously planned sort of heist scenario, and then something happens in the first scene of the action that invalidates ninety percent of the plan, and the the bad experience is that part. Yeah, and I, and it, I yeah, but I agree that you, I agree with you that that there is a there is a push towards that in that game. Yeah, if, so. it, if it weren't actively trying to coach the GM that this is how the game's supposed to be played, that you're supposed to be thwarting the players' plans on every level, like oh, I don't think it's not like that. It's not that bad. It certainly feels no. Like come on, it's not like <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Be critiquing a little honestly here. I mean, I agree with you that there's like there's horror stories. Yes, and yeah, you can just Google it. But uh, uh, I largely speaking, you... largely speaking, the game doesn't incentivize it. That it doesn't incentivize it. I'll put it that way. And then it also doesn't push that hard. It does. It does. It it, it does suggest that the players, the, the GM, essentially let the players win, but freak them out is the goal. You know, so. Unless they do something stupid, in which case the game says just let them have it. But it's I mean, still the GM's definition of stupid, so I don't know. <laughs> the issue I have with all of this, though, is that regardless of how we come at the issue, I think the main problem is that regardless of what we define what is Shadowrun about, how is Shadowrun about that? does not ever seem to match up with it. Yeah, that's is an issue, I would say. You're you're right. Like that's an issue with the game and um I think that there it's not the only game that does that. Um so design tip, like answering these questions together, uh whether intentionally or not is 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 important. Uh, my rough answer to the question was something like a cyberpunk game that uses fantasy races to um, I don't know how to say this right to sort of illustrate existing uh, racist systems in the ca- capitalism 
I would say that's a chunk of it. I mean, you can you can definitely center a game around that, but I don't. Uh, uh you know, that's not true. I have I have had played in a couple of games where those those issues did come up, so I can't say it's not yeah. about that. But like, I wouldn't. It's de- yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> no, the story the story the story of that's interesting because it's it's very true. Like, there's the they are saying something about like the, you know. Like, I, I, I haven't even read the book, but from what I've heard about how people, like, how just, like, races are treated in, like, uh, character mm-hmm. creation and stuff like that, like, it becomes clear how, like, choosing different races. Um, but they definitely have that. They they have things oh. like racial polo clubs, which are basically, like, political gangs, almost. It's, like, special interest groups, but with more weapons. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to get too too into it. I'm not. I'm not. That wasn't a controversial. Well, it wasn't intending no, to be a controversial no, it's answer. Not controversial is the uh, thing. It's like it is part of the setting and what mm-hmm. the game's about to a degree. It's just not. It's not really the main central focus, but it is something that you can play the game this way. Yeah. This is definitely something that you can intentionally make. This is what the game's about now. Yeah, and I know, like, in a to a large degree, like, people will just say, "Oh, well, it's just like it's just cool having magic and fantasy and you know, uh, futuristic settings." And mm-hmm. that's true. That's another aspect. Yeah, it, but, it's a strongly anti. I mean, it's anti-colonialist, right? Because it really centers. It gives back a huge chunk of America to the Native Americans, which is pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that as part of the lore. Yeah, it's it does uh, that. Uh, the first take it back by force. Well, yeah, but I'm saying the game makes is giving it back in in a sense. Right, it's yeah, doing yeah, the right. thing where it's like, here's you get they 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 make the first mage in North America, uh, uh, indigenous uh, from Sonomish in in uh, Seattle, right? So, uh, and he just starts calling lightning down, and that's <laughs> that's the start of of the set of the magic coming back into the setting. So they carve out like the whole, you know, the, the the Pacific Northwest, and and then Mexico moves into California and Arizona, and like annexes half of Texas, and then the elves just take out like Michigan and Canada and turn it into Tiernanogue, I think that's where that is. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I really enjoyed reading about the setting. Like that was one of the things that really engaged me. The first time I picked up a Shadowrun book was like how how detailed a world they gave you to mess around in, and then the most of what you did was it would buy guns. But I still yeah. want I still wanted to inter, inter, interface with all of the all of the cool nations and stuff like that. There just wasn't like there wasn't there weren't like direct avenues for players to sort of push into those realms. You had to let the GM situate something there. Because you were, it was very hard to travel in Shadowrun, like by design. You were sort of like meant to be oppressed and locked in. And you were part of like the only uh, arcology that was really detailed, I think, was the Seattle one. And then you had some peripheral stuff and like some blurbs about the other places. But really, it was there. And I wanted to kind of interact with a larger world because like, they had, you know, oh, yeah, a dragon runs Germany now. What's that like? That's friggin' red. Like, okay, I mean, you want to? Why? Why can't we set? You know, what's detail that? That's pretty cool, right? And I think they did at one point, but like, that feels like a very interesting part of the core setting. 
Um, and it was sort of like just a throwaway line or a throw, not even a throw. It wasn't a throwaway. I want to say that, but like it was a short section in the main book that just like sparked. Oh, wow. That's a whole setting by itself. Yeah. You know? it's the kind of thing that I think it does an extremely good job of showing the nature of like dragons as like, this is what a dragon should be instead of like, the D&D dragons. Like, I never really liked the D&D dragons, but then you have Lothware wakes up from like 10,000 years of sleep, has like dragon horde. I'm going to liquidate my assets. I'm going to learn and play the stock market. I'm going to use a bunch of shell companies that I've purchased to basically take controlling interest over a mega corporation. And then I'm going to buy Germany. And it's like, okay, this is what a dragon is now. Yeah. <laughs> so without like sort of like diving down too much more into uh, Shadowrun yeah. setting and lore. I, no, no, it's yeah, not bad. It's not I, bad, but, but also we spent 20 minutes on Shadowrun. So maybe. But, um, yeah. but, but I think that's, that's part of like what this question so, or like this, pr- yeah. this exercise was about. Uh, I'm curious, like, what people might have to say about the differences in in the answers um if that says anything specific or just uh like for example i think the most interesting thing about it is like having the different answers like created like a lot of discussion which allowed us to like dive into Shadowrun as a whole so I think that was something that was interesting about it, just just uh, getting it answered by multiple people, sort of like expanded on what the game was actually about, like you know whether it is actually about those things or not, or or intended to be about those things or well, not. I think it's important. It's an interesting thing to do. Like if you're listening to this right now, go talk to some of your friends and bring up some thing you like to talk about. I don't care if it's like star trek or my little pony or whatever just basically pose these questions to people even if it's not a game it's like what's it about how is it about that and just see if they can actually answer and actually have like convergent answers or divergent ones yeah it's interesting to gather perspectives and and see how see how other people see things like you know star trek for me just uh, uh, something that bounces up in my head was about meeting aliens that was like that was the main thing in star trek that was what they did and like interacting with alien cultures uh and then i can imagine somebody well having a totally different answer but i'm curious what do you guys think for me exploration Okay. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to go with as well. It's not just the meeting new aliens, but just exploring stuff that may not even have anything to do with aliens, just seeing things that are completely different to what you expected. Mm-hmm. New stuff. I think, like, I, I'll expand just slightly, because... I'm saying exploration, but the, when the way you say, like, meeting aliens or whatever, like, the the thing about sort of uh, Star Trek and, like, my my show was uh, The Next Generation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was just different every episode, and generally speaking, that, so it was like just something new every time, and so like it was like an exploration or just to watch it, right? Like it was just mm-hmm. new and exciting because it was had the ability just to be different every time. Right. I guess. I guess so. My the first Star Trek series that I watched basically from beginning to end was DS9. Because mm-hmm. Next Generation came on came on like a little early for me to be interested in it. And so uh, I like, yeah, it, it, Star Trek for me had a totally different. I mean, not that I didn't watch Generation, but I didn't it didn't it didn't bookend the way uh, it did for a lot of people with because I didn't see seasons like one through three until much later. Um. So the whole like Q thing and the ending didn't make much sense to me. <laughs> so, uh, but but DS Nine like I started watched from the beginning, um, and I really enjoyed like that that feature of it was like the 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 alien cultures that they kind of because it was on a space station they actually went out of their way to to put uh, those the three cultures that were center stage in that show, like in conflict all the time, like where you had, it had the Bajorans and Federation and the Cardassians, Cardassian, Cardass, Cardassians, right? Both the pronunciations Carda- are accepted. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, the Cardassians. Like there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and, and having those, because, it, and when I watched Star Trek later, oh, and the Klingons too, but less so. Um, when I watched Star Trek later, I, I noticed that I missed the most, like the consistency of the culture's butting heads mm. and how they each interpreted different, different newcomers. Yeah. I was kind of expecting it to be different for somebody who saw DS nine from the others, because mm-hmm. DS nine is nothing like the rest of Star Trek. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I found out later. Yeah. Yeah. DS nine's more, closer to like babylon 5 or something it's probably one of the the best though like i I don't know i don't even know but like just like uh critically it seems like the everyone leans on ds9 as having like some of the best the best episodes of star trek yeah well avery brooks is just a force like i cisco's like my favorite lead uh, on still consistently out of any any of the star trek because i mean he had the character has such an interesting arc Whereas when I went back and watched the other star, it was just, it was very, you know, Picard didn't really, he had the locutus thing where, okay, yes, he's, he's traumatized and he carries that. And that that's kind of interesting. Um, but he didn't arc the way Cisco arced from like uh, a Lieutenant commander to captain of a starship and, you know, a uh, religious <laughs> icon <laughs> from being like a hard materialist scientist to being like, oh no, I I'm totally this dude who's just gonna follow his instincts and like dig where this baseball lands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so yeah. like they did such a nice job with that and like putting him in a position to like have to make difficult decisions and for like he getting he actually made those decisions and you know, like with the one of the episodes where <laughs> he's after the the uh, the Maquis captain and he just like. Nope, I'm poisoning your atmosphere. Suck it. <laughs> this, is, this is something that I've noticed, though, is people have seen all the way through DS9, 
they really like Cisco. I've only watched about halfway through it. And I didn't really care for him all that much because apparently all his character growth is in the last half. <laughs> so it's it's so weird seeing like tons of praise for his character, but it's like first half of the show, it's just yeah. Yeah, it's you know, interesting. I, I agree. When he grew the beard, that's that's you know, when the show kicks off. And when Worf comes on as as a regular also is 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 quite good. When Michael Dorn shows up as a regular cast member, uh, clearly it's all about the the beards. Yeah, well, because then the Klingons come in as like a major feature of the show, and like Empire politics becomes a thing. And there's a great episode where they all dress up as Klingons uh, and try and infiltrate a council meeting, and they all get wasted on the bloodline despite taking anti intoxicants. Lovely episode. Mm. Way, but... I didn't realize how big of a Star Trek nerd I was until just this second. <laughs> you're, by the standards of Star Trek nerds, you're not, you don't even qualify. Yeah. I, I, I regularly talk to three people who are much worse than you. Um, okay. <laughs> and I say this as somebody who doesn't even, who hasn't actually technically watched more than three episodes of Star Trek. Anyway, uh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Should probably get back on the yeah. topic but i think i think i can't remember if it was catrice or rob said uh something that and when we did go through this practice of answering the same question about a, the same game um one of you mentioned convergence and divergence and i think it's it's interesting because like if we get a lot of convergence like it, again, it's not like saying a game is definitively about one thing or only about one thing or that there's any like right answers. But um, when we get convergences, we we can sort of pinpoint um, maybe the, at least, um, I want to say the right answer, but I don't want to say the right answer. Uh, maybe a more concise answer to the to the question. Um, or at least it's just commonly communicated. Yeah, yeah. Or, or it might be like if that's what people are. If you're doing this as a practice for your game, and you have some convergence, um, if that was the intention of your game, like what you think, how you answer the question, then that's good. You're you're doing well in your design and and your writing. Um, if it's not, you might want to look at um what you're missing it might also uh, be breadth of scope too like yes, keep in mind like if your game is very hyper focused around like a singular concept that you were exploring in detail then you'll get a lot of convergence in this way like most people that look at your game if it's doing what it's supposed to be doing will probably zero in on that thing that it's trying to do if your game is doing like a wide number of different things, even if they're related to one another, it's going to be harder for people to pin that down. Like I would actually expect that it would probably be hard for people to pick a single thing my game's about because it's probably doing a half dozen major things. I feel that. Like something, the game that sprung to mind when you when you said that was Ars Magica, because it's like, yeah, you're wizards, but you're also the wizard's henchmen. 
and mm -hmm. you're also kind of well you're doing spells and stuff but those are like seasonal things and or when the wizard shows up it's like it's pretty crazy uh the rest of the time you're sort of like the wizard's henchmen and there's like sub henchmen even that are um uh, grogs right <laughs> that are that that kind of like go and do stuff and are kind of expendable but if you lose one on an adventure you, you're not you don't sweat it that much because you're the wizard in the tower doing your crazy rich like uh research and stuff uh but what that game's about is so open because it's just well here's 12th century europe uh and magic is real as described in 12th century europe at the time <laughs> and that's it like that's yeah. the whole thing and it's, other than that it's like well the magic system is pretty damn open and the skill system is like pretty open and it's a pretty simple system it's just a roll a d10 and add a number beat a number that's it uh so uh it's pretty it can be about anything you could be about like, the game could be about like making bargains with the fey and doing stuff like that or it could be about hunting down dragon parts to build your ultimate dragon transmutation spell or whatever like or it could or it could be about or it could be about uh, uh making sure that you don't that you don't get murdered in the night by a rival wizard who right Who's th who thinks that your th who thinks that your theories are wrong and wants you discredited, <laughs> or and the Inquisition, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, that we, based on how long we've gone, we probably won't go over the power nineteen, but uh, uh, yeah. I think I think that it's worth like uh, maybe. Um, sort of going outside these questions like what are they missing uh you know what maybe how they're not doing like everything you know what i mean like answering mm -hmm. these questions doesn't give you a game um and so it doesn't like, give it, you a game unless your brain is wired in a very specific way yeah yeah i i i think i can think of some people who could come out of answering those questions with uh with a game on the other end yeah but yeah but um but maybe just talk about like i guess broadly what what they miss uh and mm -hmm. and how they can be improved which i have to say is like what the power 19 questions so the power 19 is a list of 19 questions that include the big three uh but they build on them uh they're again they're they're worth reading and uh i'm gonna say it uh, again no, we can do a we can do a power nineteen episode in three weeks if you want. Maybe, but uh, in case we don't, check out Socratic Design blog, and you can find them on there, and probably various other places on the internet. If you just look up power nineteen RPG. Uh, now that I've said that, like I think we can we can dive into you know what these three questions are are missing, and maybe what other questions we might ask, or just what. What you're not okay, get Rob. I demand an explanation for something you posted like an hour ago. Oh shit! Propositions, perspectives, procedures, pro uh, participation in poetics. Yes. Uh, explain why you posted that, because I think I know, but I want to hear it from your mouth. Because <laughs> I think that's directly related to what Jonathan was just asking. Ah. <clears throat> okay. Yes, well, that, that pentad is, as far as I can tell, how games work. 
and roughly how reality is constructed. You want me to go deeper in that? Because I could go probably another three hours. Yeah, um, do, do you have a like five minute version? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you define I... pentad? Yes, that's a, a five five things that are sort of interlocking. Oh, okay. Pen, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where do I start? Where do you start with that? What is a proposition? Ah, a proposition in this case. Okay, so propositions would just be the the what of the game. So like that would be what's stated in the book about the setting, what what it's maybe not exactly what the rules are, but the rules are propositions about the game. Okay. Um, the rules are also, if they're not a procedure, they imply a procedure. Some rules, some rules don't give you a procedure and they just imply it. And then some rules are definitely do this, then do this, then do this procedure. Some other games call this the situation, maybe? Yeah, or... could be, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, situation. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, like some games like to spit out. I can't remember which ones say this specifically, and it might be Apocalypse World, but like it's sort of like more defining like the be the beginning or like where your characters find themselves. Yes. Yes, those would be the propositions about the game, and then uh, the perspectives are roughly who you're supposed to be inhabiting, right? And defining what they get from their perspective right so that could be that could include something as um like actual vision like dark vision okay <laughs> you get to interface with the world in this particular way or it could say something about like oh you have a relationship with spiders that is negative and you will in, in any scene in which spiders feature you are going to have x uh effect it might not be a penalty it might be a good thing that happens Provided that you roleplay your characters scared of spiders, right? So you could get a bonus, uh, you know, uh, currency in the game or something else like that. Uh, and then you have the the procedures of the game, where you you if they're not described in the propositions, you are going through them as a <laughs> oh, thanks, cat. Uh, 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 if you are not uh, extracting the the procedures from the rules, then you're sort of building them on the fly out of the structure the rule gives you. So that it's sort of an intermediate step in RPGs because I don't think anywhere in a D and D book does it tell you to. Um, like wait for the other players to announce their their dice roll before saying what happens. But that's a procedure that's followed sort of implicitly from from the nature of the structure. So that it, it encompasses that stuff. And then poetics are oh no, sorry, participation, right? That's I think self-evident. You do not get an RPG without participation. You get a book. So the, the the act of playing an RPG is inherently participatory, um, and hopefully. so. I'm sorry. Hopefully so. Unfortunately, there are unfortunately a 
a lot of GMs that don't believe that. <laughs> there. I have read horror stories of GMs that are uh, literally reading a novel to the players. Yeah, that 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 can happen. Uh, I, I'm fortunate to have never been in one of those games, uh, and have not have any friends that were. Oh no, that's not true. I I did. I have heard a, a personal account of something like that. But I think the I think the closest I came from that is uh, I think I legitimately think somebody who was trying to run a game for. Uh, me and a few people uh, tried to do that, and then we derailed their plot so hard that they, that they ended up having to listen to us. <laughs> I don't know if I feel bad about that. This is generally the reaction. Like, if, if somebody is like, you have to do this, the, the innate reaction is, no, I don't, and I will show you why. I think yeah, your uh, innate reaction is, no, I don't. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we we technically followed the premise. Uh, we just we just uh, maybe did some things. Uh, what, why I think that is, uh, they showed us their campaign notes uh, at the end of the. They had the whole thing planned out as a series of events at the end, and they're like, mm. "See, this is how it was supposed to go." And <laughs> I I think they might have. I think. So I think they had I uh, and the document was dated before the first session. So ah. I want to say that they had that they were going to try to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, the participation I think is key. Anyway, uh, yep. that that was the point. And, and uh, the last one, poetics, is that's what you get. That's the generated result. Is you get a story. And hopefully it's poetic. So hopefully it follows some sort of poetic form. You know, there's there's uh, a hero's journey. That's not the only story that need, that can be told in an RPG, but that's a, a frequent one. Um, you can have uh, like one quiet year is definitely not that. Uh, that is that is a story of collapse. Uh, Bluebeard's Bride is definitely not a hero's journey. Um, there there. Uh, let me see what other popular games are. I mean, Shadowrun really isn't. Shadowrun is generally not a hero's journey either. Shadowrun is like you start out in Shadowrun. Uh, beaten down by everything around you so hard that you basically have to turn to crime to support yourself. Uh, that doesn't stop you from being a hero's journey, but it, do it does mean that you frequently end up in different places. No, but that's that's where you start and it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not wrong, actually. Uh... Yeah. So, so, but that, but that, 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 that's the pen ten. That's, 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 so to explain the thing I posted earlier, that's that's what it is. And so I think that's what the the so you could you could ask you could ask these questions about any part of that. So like what is like how, like what are the propositions of your game? What are the perspectives that you want people to inhabit? What are the procedures of your game? How should people participate in those procedures? Because that might that's slightly distinct from what the procedures are. Is like when to use them, right? Um, like with the appropriate times they're used is part of the participation, and then what story is do you intend to generate uh, the poetics? So it it could I think it's a, a a way of refining a narrative structure, and I think reality is basically built out of the narrative structures we tell ourselves. So it, it's really interesting framework and i like if we had more time i'd be interested in seeing how this would line up with your vision of what shadow run is and whether or not that 
better describes the game to you. Um, okay. But I, I, I don't want to get into it. Uh, I, I feel like it would take longer. I think, than... Yeah, I feel like that would take another three hours. Uh, yeah. But that's fine. Uh, what I want to do is, before I forget the topic, is I mentioned vibes here. The other thing that I... Mm -hmm that is part of my design, the one that I have the hardest trouble with is I take those, I take those three questions, I, I, add the, I add the vibes, and then I have to figure out what the strings are. Yeah. The strings that I use to tie, to tie together how I accomplish this in a way that makes it so that they actually communicate with each other and don't weigh each other down. Yeah. And are reasonably intuitive instead of largely esoteric. Mm-hmm. It's he, that to me is refining the propositions. Right? Because you're, you're, you're making them, you're, you're, you're making an effort to communicate the propositions of your game better, I think. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. It could be procedures also. It but could be procedures, yeah. Yeah. Um... Mm -hmm. Synchronicities. <laughs> Um, else. Yeah, I I don't. Well, I want to uh, after this give Mark a chance to continue. I don't. He might have had more to say, but um, mm -hmm. for myself, um, one thing that these questions miss that again, um, it it's they they are important, but I think they don't talk about form, structure, or size uh, of the RPG. Those things all kind of blend together. But they're mm -hmm. worth um, considering uh, when you're designing a game. Like, you know, is this going to be GMless? Is it going to be like two players? Is it going to be solo? Is it going to be, you know, uh, potentially multiple of those things? And then structure could be lots of things. Um, it could be, you know, whether you include a setting or not, uh, how you sort of build your game. Uh, literally, like uh, whether you, what you include and don't include, and then size. You know, just do you want like a tome? Do you want some? Do you, are you making a point of making it small? Uh, like um, mm -hmm. form could be you know two hundred words, but it, that can also be like size, right? Like just very small. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so form I think those things. Those oh, things no, I was just going to add to what you said, just really quick. Form factor also, like. Not just the the number the word count, but like what how big the the book is. Like yeah. there's there's something in that, right? Yeah, for sure. And As it's an aesthetic decision. Yeah, it's um might be a smaller or later decision, mm -hmm. um, but these are all all th all three of those, and along with the the questions and many other things. But those are things that I find help me form my design uh it's hard for me to do my design without having these things in mind that's that's a good point to to keep in mind and i think like when i'm when i was thinking about these questions i was thinking of it also in terms of you know how does this enable you to communicate your design so your your approach is very much more as like the game designer and helping you refine that but i think there's also an aspect of communicating this to someone else. And mm -hmm. in that sense, like I think the first two questions of the big three 
really nail that. And I think that's what Rob, you were saying a long time ago was, you know, when someone asks you, what is Dungeons and Dragons about? You kind of go into that story or what is Shadowrun about? You go into the stories of what the action was. And that really helps convey both what is the game about and what are you doing? What are the characters doing in this game that you get to act through? Um, and in a way, I think that's a, a useful perspective to keep in mind is ultimately you as the game designer are going to have to communicate that to the audience of people reading it, the, the game master that is going to run the game. And that these questions should be the methods by which you view your tools to communicate. Um, like it's, I, I think with the, some of the, the uh, categories that you've listed, Rob, it's hard to necessarily communicate what you know uh, the procedure is, or even if you do say, like you were saying about D and D, never really says how you react once you roll the dice, and that is a procedure that is born organically out of the way the game functions mm-hmm. um, and the way players react and humans interface with it and it comes out sort of uh from the game itself but it's it's difficult to articulate some of those aspects that might make your game real and might not translate to a different table or a different group of players right Um, so so in that sense i think like there is a perspective that is maybe missing from these questions and that is being able to communicate that not only to yourself and making sure that you can answer these questions, but in how you choose to convey that through the medium of the rule book. Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's the, what the, what the point is of these questions and what functional use you put them towards um, changes what you can get out of them. I, I mean, that's a pretty self-evident point. What I'm trying to say is that I think as a designer, these three questions do an excellent job at getting you to boil down exactly what your game is about. Um, the Power 19 do a similar thing where they get you to really think about your game design. I think they do a pretty solid job at communicating the core parts. There's always going to be things that are missed. There are always going to be perspectives that you could consider um, different aspects of the game, like the those processes that aren't necessarily um, written or baked in the rules, but come out organically, or things that you communicate in one way and that are interpreted in another, because that is the medium that you have to to give your message. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these questions should be used in more than just helping you design your game, but also in communicating it. Um, and in that sense, I think there's, there's more missing. Um, so they're, they're a great basis. They're not complete. Um, but they're a good subset of where to start. Mm. Yeah, what came up, hearing you say that, what came up for me was what I think, where I th- why, why I called that a hyperpentad up, uh, up in the chat when I was sure. yeah. calling this thing, is you can apply that same, those same categories to each, each level of analysis. So does, how, what is the perspective the book takes? Right. When you're when you're like, is the book coming from the perspective of you explaining the rules to somebody or is there a character in the book that's sort of guiding you through it, like in Catrice's game? Interesting. So and and you can and what like what's the story? Is there a meta story in the book that because World Darkness has a meta story like in the book that is not the meta story of the game. 
but there's a narrative going on through the rule book that that is guiding you through what it's like to uh, inhabit the world a little bit from the perspective of a character inside it. So I the that kind of hyperpentad applies to like the quality of the book, like the tone of the game, and then you as a designer because it's self-reflective as well. So what's your what propositions are you under when you're designing? What is your perspective? How can you bring other perspectives in? Like, what are the procedures that you undergo when writing your game? Are they good? Are they leading you to a good place? Or are you, like, kind of spinning your wheels in a rut? Right. Are you, like, how are you participating in designing your game? Are you showing up for playtests consistently? Or are you kind of, like, designing it in a vacuum where we have no other feedback or input? And then, like, what's the story of your game? Is is it going to come out? Or is it going to be one of these things that sort of, like, lives in your your friend group and is the game that your friends play. And that's the, you know, everybody enjoys it and you just kind of keep it going. Yeah, like, exactly. But the context of looking at these questions changes a lot of it. And Right. So, I mean, I, but so for me, applying them to each level of analysis is, helps me. It, 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 what it does is it, it, it frequently shows me blind spots. Like you know, bringing in a different perspective into right. a, a a book creation, right? Like having having two voices in there. Like I might have considered that before, but like the way Trace's rulebook is written is like here's a perspective. Now here's the opposite perspective, like on the same page from two different characters, right? right. And so and it's give, and it's giving you a holistic view of the world, and. I, I've not seen, I, the only other place I've seen that before is in the Dresden Files RPG with like the multiple post-it notes where you get these multiple voices kind of having this interesting meta story to each other in the book about the book. Like it's, which I love, that's fun. Like that's such a weird yeah. rabbit hole of, of, of narrative. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what book where only the beastry was like that, but it was actually very well done. Where there were people with wildly different perspectives, like one of them was scientifically analyzing this, these mm. things after dissecting them. One of them was telling like, uh, uh, like basically a horror story about the same creature, and one of them was like talking about, okay, this is this thing's place in the meta universe, and. Like, it was hard to tell which one of them was actually the most accurate. Yeah. Oh, I want to bring up Shadowrun again, like an asshole. Um, <laughs> this was one of the things that made the Shadowrun books really good, is that they include the uh, text chats about the guns. Like, there were forum posts about, like, only assholes carry a Ruger Warhawk. Like, stuff like this. Like, people, like, having flame wars in the book it's one of the things that made the, those books really really good and like i cut above the rest of a lot of like other kind of cyberpunk offerings where there was like there wasn't that story baked in like I, it was just something that really made those stand out i think a lot of people remember those fondly for that reason i think that was one of the best parts about the books really was just that they had all that extra little mm -hmm. attention to the detail where it was like you were getting information about the world, even if it was probably false information. Uh -huh. <laughs> mm -hmm.
But God, I really wish I remembered what what horror setting that was. It's mm. gonna bug me now. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Don't worry, you'll remember yeah. five minutes after the episode ends. No, mm-hmm. I won't. Uh, I will. Re- I will remember at two a.m. tonight. <laughs> well, that that sounds like me. All right. Uh, this has been almost two hours. We have talked about this. Yes. Does anybody have any uh, closing thoughts before we before we? Uh... Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> happy design. Uh, good luck. <laughs> All those things, yeah. Positive thoughts. Yeah. Keep, keep, yeah. keep at it. Yeah. Wherever you are, whoever you are, why ever you are, whatever you answer to these questions, they yeah. can change. It's fine. Yes, please change them. In fact, change them a lot. It's really fun to change them. It, uh, and <laughs> I don't usually do that, but yeah, but you just if, make that's what, if you're trying to make an actual, if you're trying to make an actual product that is not purpose built, yeah, changing them seems like a good idea. <laughs> change as needed yeah yeah and and i think for uh your growth as a designer to not be afraid to just say that you don't know the answer or that there is no good answer yet um because i I think that that's a a stepping stone towards becoming a better designer is to recognize that and understand why you want to design this game in the first place so don't be disheartened by not having a great answer to it yeah. yeah, and and also know that there is no perfect answer. There's only your perfect answer. Exactly. Yep. 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 All right. Good night, everybody. It's night where you are. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Always night. You are listening. Okay, I'm gonna step out for a little bit. I might be back later Oops. as usual. Ta-da-da. All right. Cool. Well, I guess it's relevant.